Oh God, we're so uh, conscious of strongholds today. Places maybe that began innocently enough with, like, like the author of Psalm 19 said, just with, with overlooking something, God. But then we became comfortable with overlooking and, and started to choose those, those sins, those, those broken places, God. And, and then they became a part of us and, and sunk their roots deep down into our souls, so much so that to stop now, to, to uproot them would, would tear up our hearts, God. I was so conscious how the insidious nature of sin and brokenness takes over our life, becomes a stronghold that we run to. God, thank you that you are a greater stronghold. We don't have to run to those things. We can, even today, even this moment, choose to leave them behind by the power of God in us, even initially through the speaking of the name of Jesus, but but then, God, as we surrender our lives to him, as, we're, as we convert ourselves, God, our hearts to serve him instead of ourselves, God, we have that incredible opportunity to break the stronghold. So, God, as we think about your people called by your name, who, just like we're vulnerable in our culture, succumb to the cultures around them, God, just like your people so many years ago, 2,800 years ago, speak life. Speak life. God, grant us even today that opportunity to choose whom we will serve. And then, God, through the comfort of the sweet fellowship of, of the body of Christ, God, through, through, the, through the challenge of your word and and your scriptures, God, which speak so much life into us, help us day by day and moment by moment to, to be conformed to the image of Jesus until nothing remains, God, of us. Nothing remains of our brokenness and sin. But instead, all that is known is Jesus. I'll open our hearts and minds, God, even as we open your word today. Speak to us words of life. God, we will give you praise and glory. And God, I thank you. I thank you that even when we don't know what to say to you, you give us words and with joy we come before you and remember the words that Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear the word of our Lord from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you 
who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so far that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even Mm. though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your souls. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, did you see those last words? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith. Isn't that, I mean, present tense. Right now, you're obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I oh, thank you, Jesus. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations, God, of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Mm. Well, I'm so excited again to come back. I hope I hope you're not getting tired of this guy. He keeps surprising me, and I've I've um, I've followed Elijah for 40 years now. Right? Um, I've got Jesus in my heart, but I have followed Elijah. I think it's because of what we shared a couple of weeks ago. Uh, James, when James is speaking of that, he says Elijah is a person just like us. Right? And I shared with you several weeks ago that I'm going, really? <laughs> I don't think so. I, uh, I have not called down fire recently. I wanted to, but, but I, haven't, I haven't done that recently, right? Really? And then I read, I read the whole story of Elijah, including, as Pastor Bill is going to share with us next week, this incredible life of prayer. We're going to see a hint of it today, and Pastor Bill is going to, going to help us unpack that next week. But then, did you see in that song we were singing about um, shine in the darkness, right? Even in the depression. Here's a guy like us that struggled, was overwhelmed, right? Uh, and physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Hey, let's just cut to the chase. We'll hit, we'll hit this in two weeks. He said, take my life. Take my life, right? And yet this is the guy that appeared in glory with Moses and Jesus, right? Uh, so, so I find so much hope from this guy. And honestly, and especially in our passage today, this is it. This is what we've been building up for weeks. This is the confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And, and Elijah is in full glory right here. He is, he is bringing it. He is bringing it, right? And I think about myself and I say, God, why can't I be like Elijah, right? Why can't I boldly... Even when I think that I'm alone, why can't I boldly proclaim the gospel? God, I, I trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, right? But, but sometimes my faith just isn't confident, right? I'm just not confident. Sometimes when you even bring those opportunities, God, I, I, I balk, right? I take a step back instead. Well, today in this incredible story of the contest with the prophets of Baal, I want to ask, I want to ask that. What does confident faith look like, right? 
And, and really, when I say confident, I was struck as I was even preparing a few moments ago. I'm talking about faith that saves, right? Faith that saves and gives you that assurance that you're saved, right? What does that kind of a confident faith uh, look like? I, 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 I smiled when, when Jordan read that um, that the, the um, prophets of Baal were limping around the altar. You remember that word, limping, right? How long? Elijah said to them then, how long, he says to us today, will you go limping between two different opinions, right? How long are you going to be crippled, sisters and brothers, right? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And remember where we left it last week, that, that, that sad moment, and, um, uh, the scripture says, and the people did not answer him a word. What a contrast to our, our worship theme this morning. I want to speak the name of Jesus, right? I want to shout it from the mountaintops, right? I was so struck last week. I'm struck this morning by their silence. And I, I want to just, just put a checkpoint in here just for a second. I'm struck by the difference between silence and solitude. Can I just anchor us in that for just a second? There is a difference, right? Um, solitude is not loneliness, right? Uh, people surrendered to the idols of this world may be silent before the presence of God, but, but people who are surrendered to the presence of God, who spend time like Elijah did, upwards of three years in intimate fellowship with the Lord, come out confident instead. And so I just want to say confidence is born out of intimacy with God, right? And before we ever beat ourselves about the head and shoulders because we don't respond like Elijah, let's remember that he had this privilege of spending three years in intimate communion with God, right? And, and out of that time came these confident words, right? It's not uh, 1816, it's 1836. I am your servant and I do these things. I have done these things According to your words. So Elijah spent three years in solitude and in intimate communion with God. But what does that look like for us, right? Well, sometimes we find that it's easier to understand something by looking at what it doesn't look like. And we get a front row seat today on what confident faith doesn't look like. And I want to start with the prophets of Baal, right? The sounds of silence. Now, not from them. Oh, they weren't silent at all. But, but the sounds of silence from their idol, right? From this false god who did not exist, and yet they waited for his voice. Now, it began with early confidence, right? They took the bull that was given to them. They prepared it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. In other words, for three hours, they said, oh, Baal answered us. Where does that kind of confidence come from? Well, picture the scenario again, would you? There are 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah right there, right? They have been eating at Jezebel's table. They are in positions of power. The people of Israel have been watching them who Ahab and Jezebel put into place and 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 They've got to be tempted, at least I'm speaking for myself, but they've got to be tempted right here to say, 
look at all the people that are following Baal. It must be true, right? We're in the same place in our culture right now. Look at all the people that are saying this. I, got, I could not go past this point without saying a lot of time that's not true. You were just told that there's all these people who believe this, right? Um, and, and, and you believe what you're told through maybe a, a, a famous person or just over and over again in the media when in fact, when in fact most people don't believe that, but they're, they're silent like, like the people of God when Baal said, who are you going to serve? They don't say anything. We don't say anything. Now don't, don't beat yourself up if God has not called you to that. It may be as simple initially as just proclaiming the name of Jesus. But the more intimate communion you have with the living God through the person of Jesus, the more he'll want you to speak instead. Their early confidence might have been in, in numbers, right? But, but numbers don't mean anything. Elijah at that point thought he was the only one still worshiping the Lord. But you and God are a majority, right? Sorry for the cliches, but they're true. Even if you're only one in your workplace, in your school, the only one in your neighborhood who is speaking truth in, in love, you are a majority because you're speaking God's truth, right? I think what happened for the prophets of Baal is that after three hours of speaking their truth right here in front of the whole nation of Israel, nothing is happening and they, they got a little distressed. It might have come a little bit from Elijah teasing them. And Jordan was very gracious in the way he portrayed that scripture, but Elijah was not. Right? Elijah took it right to them. And called them out, right? And so what did they start doing? Then they, they started getting distressed. They started getting frantic. They started cutting themselves and, and dancing around. Uh, I'm confident that there was a lot of other ugliness that we were blessed to not have to talk about today. Because that's the way that they worship Baal. It was ugly. It was ugly. But what's happening is they're realizing that Baal is not answering them, right? And for six hours, six hours, they exhausted themselves trying to placate the gods of this world who are not really gods, right? And you can see a theme coming down the, tr- the pike, can't you? How we exhaust ourselves with things that are not God, right? But ultimately, it ended in disaster. Ultimately, when, when the people finally saw there was another alternative, when they finally at least said with their mouths, the Lord, he is God, then it ended in disaster for those 850. And I was talking with Doug and, and, and we were saying, oh my goodness, how do we approach this? How do we understand this that Elijah put to death? I don't think he personally killed them all, but he commanded it and people did it. He put to death 850 people right there. And you're going, oh my goodness, how do I accomplish? Is this the same God? Now, a lot of us in our youth, we said, oh, okay, that's the Old Testament God. Now we worship a New Testament God. You know better, don't you? Do you know better? Jesus Christ is the same. Yeah, forever. Forever, right? God doesn't change. 
I said earlier that Elijah is is um, sent to us to prepare the way of the Christ. And in a real sense, in that setting, Elijah represented Jesus. And, and Jesus gives us an opportunity, doesn't he? Jesus reveals himself to us, uh, both in, in, in words, like Elijah said, you know, how long are you going to limp between two opinions? If the Lord is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. But also in, in miraculous displays of power, like we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, resurrection, right? I mean, Jesus reveals himself in, in myriad ways to us. But at some point, beloved, we have to respond to that. And if we don't respond to that, the result is destruction. Uh, in, in Malachi 3, um, he spoke of the ultimate day of the Lord. There is a day coming that is a day of judgment. And it's not popular to talk about. Uh, it's not popular to, even in Christian circles, it's not particularly pop, uh, popular to come about. It's certainly not popular to talk about in our culture, right? But Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, right, there will be judgment. I don't know why God had Elijah do that. Um, his, his protege, Elisha, was in a very similar situation, and he did not put them to death. But I suspect it's because God does not want us to lose track of the fact that there is a day coming where men and women will be tested. And and if they're found wanting, they will not be just destroyed. They will be uh, committed to everlasting destruction, right? It's not a one-time thing. I'm I'm smiling because I had quite a few conversations along the journey with different people about that. Um, We don't get annihilated when we die, we live forever, one way or another, right? And I'm not saying that to try and scare you into it. I want you to see the love of God that gave us every opportunity, including this morning, to choose to worship Him, right? To choose life. So, so the way not to do it was the way that the prophets of Baal did it, with false confidence in gods who could not deliver, with growing distress and frenetic activity, trying to somehow uh, earn uh, their false gods' answer, but ultimately leading in destruction and in disaster, right? But look at Elijah. Elijah is such a study in contrast, right? He didn't trust in numbers, right? He trusted in the power of God in place of the force of numbers, right? In the place of numbers. I love this beautiful scene where he he's bends down. Uh, they, the false prophets have, have proven themselves, and, and there, is no, there is no answer for them. And he slowly repairs the answer that was right before him. Uh, he repairs the altar, the 12 stones of the altar of God, right? Reminds me so much of that story of Gideon. I'll just note it for a second. In Judges 7, when God said, you got, you got too many people, right? If, if I deliver you with these people, you're going to think that you did it by yourself. No, no, I'm going to take you down to 300 people and deliver you through them. And then you will know that it's the power of God. The power of God that delivers us, right? It's confident faith in the right things, right? Confident faith in place of relentless activity, right? And unlike the prophets of Baal, Elijah just said, they, they prayed, they danced, they, they shouted, they cut themselves, they, 
they did that for six hours, and I timed it. Pastor Bill's going to help us look at this prayer. When, when Elijah prayed, he prayed for 20 seconds, and the fire came, right? 20 seconds. Um, wow, wow. We don't, we don't somehow get God's attention by our frenetic lifestyle, even if it's doing good things for the kingdom of God, beloved, right? Um, Elijah found that balance, uh, at least initially, of, of intimacy with God that results in incredibly powerful and few words. Um, may the Holy Spirit fill us like he filled Elijah, right? May our faith be in God's power and not in our ability to make something happen. And, of course, the fruit of Elijah's prayer was an answer, right? An answered prayer in, in place of silence. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offerings and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. The thing that gets me out of that is the stones. The fire consumed even the stones of that altar. There's intriguing uh, truths behind that simple little sentence. Well, what about the people? What... What did the people do, right? When the people saw it, verse 39, they fell on their faces. When was the last time you fell on your face? They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And I would, I would love to think that that, that, that um, changed everything, that they wholeheartedly followed after God. But like I shared with you last week, 12 kings later, God removed all of them from his presence. So I want, I want you to just note that there's a difference here between being convinced and being converted. Did you follow that? They were convinced right then that the Lord was God. Did it make a difference ultimately for them? Now, I'm, I'm speaking in rash generalities. Um, I'm sure for a few, there was a life-changing aspect of that. But for most of them, uh, they could not leave behind all the false idols. And ultimately, God did to them what he did to the prophets of Baal. And to this day, 27, 2800 years later, those ten tribes do not exist. Now, I'm, I'm intrigued that in Building that altar of 12 stones, there's promise. There, the Revelation tells us that there will be 12 tribes again. But right now they don't exist, right? Right now they do not exist. So there's the difference between being convinced and being converted and only the gospel of Jesus Christ, which was present even then in the person of Elijah. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified can change a human heart. What it, why do you keep harping on death, Pastor Dave? Why talk about crucifixion? Because instead of uh, us taking on the burden of death, which we deserve, right? The wages of sin is death, right? And, and we've got a front row seat on that in the prophets of Baal. Um, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? Jesus crucified for our sin. God validating that by raising him from the dead. That is a critical part of this beautiful gospel which God has entrusted to you. And this gospel brings you to the point of decision. 
Jesus Christ is Lord, and he bids you come and follow him. Yield your life to him as Lord and Master, right? Receive life from him as your Savior and friend. Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, this precious gift that he gives you, right? Don't walk away today limping between two opinions, right? And I appreciate your thinking. Come on up, worship team, if you would. I appreciate your, your thinking right now. Well, what will it cost me? It will cost you everything. It will cost you your pride. It will cost you your trust in yourself. It will cost you the false gods that, that you have, without maybe even realizing, begun to worship. It will cost you everything. But if Jesus Christ is God and he died for me, what sacrifice would be too great for me to make for him, right? What sacrifice would be too great? So live, beloved, the life of confident faith. When you go back and look over your notes, read again 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, because this is what it looks like on the other side of resurrection, right? What does the life of confident faith look like? It looks like love born out of intimate knowledge of Jesus' words and actions, right? Just like Elijah spent that time in intimate communion, you can spend that time in God's Word, in the sweet fellowship of other believers. And what will come out of that, the more you know Him, is, uh, sorry for the cliche, but the more you'll love Him, right? The more you'll love Him. It's love born out of intimate knowledge, but it's also belief that He will continue to be and do the same. And what will it result? Right? For you, an inheritance, Peter says, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. For you, it will result in inexpressible joy filled with glory. For you, it will result in the salvation of your soul. Oh my goodness. Could anything that this world offers be more precious than those things? But I want you to think about God, too, right? What does it result? In what does it result for God, right? Praise. Glory. Honor. If the Lord is God, worship Him. Oh, God, thank you so much. For Elijah, who was a person just like us, and yet was able to put his trust not in the circumstances that surrounded him, bleak and dark as those may have been, God, but to put his faith in what you say is true. And so, God, I pray today that if any of us are still caught in in uh, the false worship of things which can never satisfy God, that, that even now you would, you would give us the power through your Holy Spirit, that you would convict us and, and give us that opportunity to lay them down. But God, at the very same moment, if there's anything beautiful that your Holy Spirit is revealing to us about Jesus, if... If, if he is, Lord, then grant, God, that we might even now
put our trust in him. Oh, Jesus, thank you that you loved us so much. You became flesh. You dwelt among us. You revealed yourself to us. And you invite us to commune with you. Mm. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I love it that we have to not only have right thinking, but we have to have right action. Sometimes you have to put your body in gear. Sometimes you have to do what he invites. Do this, he said, in remembrance of me. And after the supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the Apostle Paul says, This is the life of faith. Every time you do this, you remember that he is Lord. You proclaim the Lord's life, the Lord's death, the Lord's resurrection. You proclaim the gospel. Mm. Today we're going to receive um, these sacraments, this sacrament, by, uh, by uh, personally coming up and taking them and then going back to your seats, holding them until everybody has been served, and then we'll partake of them together. And, and I just invite you, even if you've never before owned the fact that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, today, today is the day of salvation.